Hello and welcome to the Unsafe Space. My name is Keith Redmond. I'm a former Fine Gael counsellor. I'm joined by, joined by my beloved, who's a... Former Fianna Fáil counsellor. Never wants to admit that. I always have to drag it out of her. And you are very welcome to our bunker. Um, this is our COVID-19 bunker. We are um, hunkered down with the, the two children. Uh, we've been here for four years. We've far. been here for approximately three days. It feels like four years. And um, we're we're barely able to look at each other at this point. But um, at the same time, we are safe and we hope that you are safe. And uh, we all have to uh, listen to more podcasts because it's about all we can do. We've run out of entertaining things to do. So podcasts are the next thing to do. Um, so today on The Unsafe Space, we're going to talk about a small little thing that's happening in the world. Coronavirus. Uh, isn't everybody talking about coronavirus? But we're also going to talk about... Um, Irish politics and this potential formation of government. We're going to talk about how the unelected current governments are doing uh, and we'll talk about a few of the bits and bobs. So uh, first of all, um, Sarah, perhaps you'll um, start us off on the corona COVID-19 pandemic. What are your, so, what are your thoughts? So as of when we're recording tonight, what was there tonight? So it's Friday night. So it's, it's Friday night, yeah. So, it's on, so by the time this podcast goes out though. So we're up at about 600 now, are we? Yeah. So, 600 cases in Ireland. So, like, I'm scared. Um, there was a couple of weeks there of, it's only the flu and calm down and all that stuff. But I've been kind of concerned about this from, the, I don't really know, but I was. Hmm. Maybe because my sister is a doctor and she kind of laughed at me when I first mentioned it. And then a week later came back and was like, actually, yeah, I think you might be right. This is probably pretty serious. And here's what I would like you to do. Feed the children and all that. So... Yeah, I've been kind of scared about it from the beginning, but... But it'd be fair to say that being a fr- being frightened, having a fear response or an anxiety response, it's entirely normal, really, because it's a normal human reaction to an unknown threat. So, like, if you're out there and you're frightened or you're feeling anxious or whatever, like, it's totally normal. Like, you're not But isn't abnormal. it weird the way it kind of manifests in, in, in weird, way, different ways for everyone? So, for example, my dad went through, like, is still kind of going through this phase of, like, ridicule, nothing, nothing. Now, he is staying at home because my sister will box the head off him, basically. But, like, he was like, no, 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 no. Um, It's not that big of a deal. Well, not that no, it wasn't that big of a deal, but he just kept arguing with him. I said, and, like, a week ago, I said how many deaths there were in Italy and he, no it's not that many it's not that many it's not that many like just that kind of thing and like that's obviously the way his anxiety about it manifests and like yeah, he's my, trying to minimize it like for yeah. me like I, I went through all of the, the normal like worrying about the virus or whatever but it's weird the way like for me anyway I just it freaks me out so bad that I just don't have any plans like I, I like every mm. single thing for the rest of the year is cancelled and so you're, I don't know where I'm going to be you see Sarah has a day planner it's like kind of an old Philofax type of situation and uh, she's she's um, shirking the, the the modern era and doesn't believe in digital when it comes to. I do believe day. in digital. I well, just like writing day things down. So she has this kind of old day planner situation. So for Sarah to not have anything written to little boxes on the diary is 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 basically draw, driving her crackers. So you you're a woman who needs a plan, and you can't really plan, and none of us can plan in the current situation, isn't it? Like for example, nobody's going on a holiday. If you think you're going on holiday this summer, you're. You're deluded. Nobody's going on holiday. So if, if there's if there are no holidays, so what are we all going to? So there's that gone. Um, will we be able to get together for birthdays? Will we be able to get together for Christmas? You know, nobody knows. I mean, no, and it's really yeah sad. Like I remember I was showing you earlier on my sister and my mom. They bought these little chocolate 
eggs are sown for Easter mm. and they were they texted and they're like maybe on Easter Sunday we could come over and hide them in your front garden and then we have electric gates and then hide behind the gates or stand behind the gates and watch the kids look for them and I was like, like that's isn't that so, so sad, sad. <laughs> you come over and look at your grand- grandchildren through gates as through they the hunt, barricade as they hunt for little yeah, chocolate eggs like, in the garden but you can't talk to them and you can't go near like but we were discussing this earlier you know this is kind of like a 9-11 moment really isn't it like Pre nine eleven, there were there was an awful lot of innocence in the world, especially when it came to travel. You know, you'd scoot into the airport, skip through carrying your Uzi or whatever AK forty seven. No one really bat an eyelid, but like you know, you, there were metal detectors were kind of okay. Yeah, you had a metal detector, but you could bring like forty liters of liquid onto the plane. You could do whatever you wanted to. Your makeup was you know, everything changed all of a sudden. I mean, all of a sudden, there were. You know, nobody was able to take a joke in an airport about, yeah, I'm carrying a bomb. Um, yeah, I don't think... Well, you know, but there was no sense of humor about things about travel anymore. You certainly couldn't carry what you wanted to carry. So, I mean, it was a definitive change. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ridiculing it, but there was a definitive change pre and post 9-11. And I think we're at one of those moments again. I think we're at a... a, a I think it's way worse. But we're at, a, we're at a moment where socializing itself, like the very act of socializing. I'm not talking about pubs and clubs. I'm talking about meeting people on the street, shaking hands kissing somebody on the cheek, you know, standing within a meter of somebody that you meet and you have a chat. All of that is now going to go. We're, we could be at a very dichotomous moment in society where we have a pre-COVID and a post-COVID society. Unless they come up with a vaccine, they're not very confident about it. The 12 to 18 months is the earliest estimate. And coronavirus, by the way, folks, is in the same family of drugs as the common cold. And we all know the common cold has no cure and it has no vaccine. So, we shouldn't be presuming that it's like influenza, that you're going to have a, 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 a vaccine. Coronaviruses are different to influenza viruses and they don't, they haven't been able to get successful vaccines for coronaviruses. So they may not be able to get one. You know, we Also, may... is it not that we shouldn't be calling it, like we should be calling it COVID-19? Yes. Well, you see, the, the, right. Yeah. Just to clarify. So coronaviruses are a family of viruses yeah. and the common cold is a, is a coronavirus. But COVID-19 is the name on this particular virus. SARS and MERS were other coronaviruses. So they're in that family of viruses, but yeah. we're... This but the name for it is COVID-19. This isn't, the name for it is actually COVID-19. You're because, right. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people calling it corona, just like on TV. I've seen even politicians being like, this corona. Yeah. And I'm like, all I can hear in my head is, my, 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 my. Corona. And, it's like, <laughs> and also it's wrong. And it's like, I remember yeah. for ages when there was all this stuff about Tulsa and everyone on TV was calling it Tulsa. And I all I could hear was, I was only 20 24 hours from Tulsa. <laughs> I know, that was a great song. Great I know, song. but like, get it right. Like, just get it right. So, it's that? COVID. Pitney? Pitney? I don't know, 80 years old. He's a good girl uh, in school then. COVID-19 is the name. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty weird. Like, it's, it's yeah. and even like the the crash and things like, like they, they kind of came, you were in them before. This happened in two weeks. Yeah. Like, like, if you think about, like, two weeks ago. One week ago, we were in. Yeah, one week ago we were in Washington, and uh, but we thought we were worried about getting home. Well, it, yeah, we it, thought we it had kicked off. Yeah, we we definitely did. But two weeks ago, <clears throat> I remember thinking, you know, this is not going to be that big of a deal, and you know, blah 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 blah. And you know, that was the way Italy was four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, people in Italy were thinking China is, you know, obviously not Italy. China is this like wild frontier country. They have all these wet markets and, you know, who knows, they have a billion people and, you know, China's not Italy, China's not Italy. And now we're saying, well, Ireland's not Italy. Ireland's not Italy. 
There's absolutely no the reason. Italian thing. No reason to presume we're not Italy. No reason to presume it at all. The Italian thing is like <laughs> just those videos. Oh yeah, the army like, truck. It's just like I don't know if you guys have seen that, but there is a video online of a stream of army trucks, one after the other, after the other, after the other, leaving this small town in Italy, and they're every truck is carrying coffins. And the reason that they're going is because the crematoria and graveyards are full. They're full. And so the army have come to take coffins away to the next town to use the crematorium. It's just incredible. It's 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 bewildering. It's like the worst post-apocalyptic kind of zombie movie you ever saw. It's just... I don't know what it is about the never <clears throat> Well, it's hundreds, like it's hundreds so of many. people. It's and like, obviously, what does it say? It says no funerals. It says mm. like nameless, no. like just yeah, if somebody yeah. maybe rings you and says your mother's dead and then you never see her again. You also never like have a funeral or anything. Here's it's an just, urn that may contain her ashes. Like it's just know? like, and then yes, like, okay, I see a lot of people on TV saying, oh, you know, we're doing a good job in social media. And to an extent we are, but mm. like, there's a lot of people who aren't. Like, and there's yeah, a lot of yeah, teenagers yeah. meeting up and there's a lot of this and there's a lot of that and there's a lot of people who came really close to it and we'll get to the politics of it again but I was just tweeting her yesterday <clears> about um, just gonna brace yourself for impotent rant about Joe Brawley whoever whoever he is he's um, a guy man I know I'm being but or as you would say gaw he went to Cheltenham and then yeah. he came back and started saying that he thought that Leo's speech was this and Leo's speech was that here's the speech if you went to Cheltenham you have absolutely the absolute gall of you to come back and start criticizing people on their uh tr- on their management of this like the yeah. absolute gall of you manage your own s t f u and stay at home joe you know nothing if you knew anything you wouldn't have gone to cheltenham and the audacity of you to be, and like i think leo is doing a fantastic job we'll get to that later but like the absolute gall of him. i just saw it and i was i was like it irritated me that he was criticizing it anyway and then when i saw on twitter that he was at cheltenham i was like is he for but real see, that was a defensive thing where he was kind of saying you know he, he was going on the offense before he'd well, have I to do you know what i prefer his offense just, to be staying in a dark room alone yeah but he was he realized he was at a vulnerable position so instead he started to go on the offensive oh well you know obviously the government's doing a shy job and it doesn't really matter if anybody went to cheltenham because the government's doing a shy job you know no pal like, no. if thousands of people go over and hang out with more thousands of people from all over the UK and Ireland, and then they all come back and they just go to all four corners of the country, obviously, that's a bad thing to do in a global pandemic. You don't have to be a microbiologist to realise that's a stupid thing to do in a global yeah, pandemic. Yeah, but if you know that, if you know that... Well, you stay quiet. And you, you, you're an asshole if you come back and start throwing your weight around yeah, yeah, yeah. about what people at home are doing like pull on the green jersey or shut up well the other thing is that you know we have to get to you know well, what is the overall strategy here you know the UK last week were engaged in a different strategy and they have changed course somewhat but the overall strategy here is not to cure this virus or to rid society of the virus or to hunker down the virus passes through none of those things are happening um, the virus is here to stay folks it's going to be on this island for the duration of this year. Um, the idea is that if we keep going in our current trajectory, we wipe out our, our health service. We Our health services will not be able to cope. As the Taoiseach said, 15,000 people could be diagnosed by the end of March. Now, 80% of them are fine. Yes, we know that. But 20% require hospital treatment. 20%. And 14% of those will recover. And that's grand. 
but somewhere between 3 and 6% of them are going to die. So, but 20% go into hospital. Now, 20% of 15,000 is 3,000 people. If 3,000, I'll tell you right now, if 3,000 people turn up at our hospital system before the end of the month, our hospital system will collapse. So, this, all of these um, social distancing, um, staying in your house, and also, stopping people from working, all those things are to prevent the health system from collapsing, not to cure the virus. But also the reason for it as well is because there is no way of knowing how d- d- like deep into the community it is already until incubation periods have passed. Mm. And like, so when was Cheltenham? Was it two weeks ago yet? Yeah. So those <clears> people <throat> are starting to get sick now. Yeah. And then... And 80% and of them... And it's not like you, you get sick yeah, yeah. and then you deteriorate over a 12-hour period and then you call the doctor. You could be getting sick for days. It could be days before you actually call the doctor. So we don't really know. And so the reason for people like 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 we were away, we were in Washington, D.C., fine. There was no cases there. But we did come through an airport and we've been, we got home a week ago and we haven't left mm. pretty much in a week. So like, <coughs> you know, you, 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 people stay at home. <laughs> it's absolutely well taught. Yeah. Um, People By the way, folks, I, I, I do think I have it. I do think I have it. Oh I've had a sore throat for about two weeks now. I'm coughing and barking. The only symptom I don't have is I don't have a fever. I think I have it. Sarah thinks I'm being in a bit of bit of an Abbey actor, but I think you I are. have it. You are. And also your, I think G- I have your GP also dropped. My, my GP... My GP, my, my GP discounted. And I also asked my sister. Who's she a disca- she discounted said, my concerns. Everyone says you're mental. She discounted my concerns. And said, it may come back to haunt her. Remember at the start, let's 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 just like that's when I segue back to where I started, which was that people's anxieties manifest in different ways, and some people's anxiety manifests as imagining that they have an There's illness. No imagination. That they don't this have. is a, like this is a genuine ill. I mean, all the yeah, men out here will re- realize what Sarah's doing right now. She's downplaying a genuine disease that her man has. I mean, you know, we've all we've all had that. We've all. But, um, He'd seriously got a human. Well, I just think I survived reason. it, and I was I was brave little soldier. Is my feeling on the whole thing? Whatever. So you must be delighted with yourself at how Leo's doing. You know what? For a man who lost an election, he's not doing too bad, is he? Like you know, he got like twenty percent of the vote or something. Comes back with thirty five TDs. I mean, a spectacularly bad election for an incumbent Thiesik. Took him five uh, five rounds to get elected in his own seat. Um, it, it's. How po- politics is oh, so I funny. Love it. I politics love it. is so funny. I mean, I just why well, I love politics. Like, but was, I never thought he was nobody's man. He was nobody's man like a few weeks ago, and now he's tomorrow's man again. Like now, I when I look at social media now, not only do I see Fine Gaelers loving what they're saying, I see Fianna Fallers defending him, even Shinners pulling on the green jersey and attacking their own TDs. Paul Donnelly, a, a new Sinn Fein TD in Dublin West put out this tweet and he was saying like, you know, oh, it was a crap speech. There was nothing in yeah, it, blah, blah. God love and, me as a new fa- TD. He's no a new t- yeah, but I mean, he's an old hand. He's a counsellor a while and he should have known better. And, yeah, and well, even stupid people get elected. Well, well, can we know? But the, but a lot of Sinn Féin voters, people in his own constituency said, look, you know, in response to it, look, Paul, I voted for you. I'm number one and I'm Sinn Féin. But, you know, come on. He hit everything he needed to hit in that speech. That speech to the nation, he was comforting. He was realistic. He was inspiring, but he was kind of frightening. He was. Um, he spoke to the kids in the in the country. He spoke about mental health. He spoke about mental health. Like he hit every single button. The only thing I don't like is he borrowed Churchill's phrases and stuff like that, which oh is a bit a bit lazy. But I mean, you know, speechwriters could have come up with something. That's nitpicking. Overall, that speech was fantastic. What did you think as a fan father? <laughs> I thought it was really really good but see the thing is that like I'm kind of different in the sense that I thought okay 
before you jump down my throat, I know the results weren't there, but I thought Leo had a pretty good election as a person, right? Okay, yeah. As a person. You're good in the debates. Yeah. He was way better than I thought he was going to be in the debates. I think he held his own. I think Michal, mm. I think I've said this before, but I think Michal is seen to be a really, really good debater. I think Michal had a poor election. Mm. I don't, I think that Leo equaled him mm. or beat him in every in every debate. I don't think Michal had one debate where he was the resounding winner. I, th- I genuinely think Leo beat him in every de- debate. Grant. So yeah. I think that Leo had a good election personally and the re- that's the reason why I don't think there was a massive move against him right after the election by mm-hmm. Fine Gael. Mm-hmm. And I think that he has come across and like I'll get to Simon and Simon and all of them but like, yeah, I'm a Fianna Fáiler. I couldn't fault them. Like, I don't think they're doing anything differently than anybody else would do. I think it's tough to do those jobs. Like, all, everyone's always like, like, I, I was having an argument with somebody in Fianna Fáil the other day about they were like, Regina Darty isn't even a... Yeah, so imagine how crap it is to have to come in and, like, work your ass off when you're not even... You've lost you've your seat. You've lost your yeah. seat. And it's a bit, like, kind of a bit humiliating or whatever. But the point is that the Constitution exists to provide continuity because they, the constitution was written with the understanding that continuity is important never mind in the middle of a pandemic no, and so the con- this is a point actually we need to explain to people sorry you can you know, elaborate what I'm trying I'm just trying to feed a bit of you know the reason that he is still Taoiseach the reason that you know these people are all still ministers even though they've lost their seats a lot of people don't understand why that's happening and as you say the constitution is there to, to, to lend kind of continuity until another government is elected but it was kind of designed really for these kind of things in mind, emergency situations where like you had to have a government. So just explain to people why, for example, Regina Doherty, who lost her seat, is still Minister for Social Protection. Why Shane Ross is still the Minister for Transport, even though he lost his seat. Uh, Catherine Zapone is still Minister for Children. You know, yeah, but Regina Doherty is in a job that just happens to be the centre of this crisis. Yeah, if yeah. there'd been a crisis pertaining to transport... Shane Ross would still be would be would be going in there or if there's a question yeah. about shutting down the darts or whatever that'll be Shane Ross the thing is that like I feel like and I am a Fianna Fáil person but I feel like that there's absolutely no logical explanation other than self-serving selfish egotistical ambition you could say you could argue like there is no argument like what, what are you stability? honestly so you're telling me that changing the government would provide stability so let's just say Stephen Donnelly becomes Minister for Health he's still fi- figuring out where the jacks is mm. well like 15,000 cases of COVID-19 start coming no I'm giving you meals or Regina Doherty someone else becomes Minister for Social Welfare well 400,000 people suddenly sign on like there is no argument other than one that serves yourself there. The Fianna Fáil, if Fianna Fáil want to provide stability and want stability, all they have to do is come out tomorrow and say, we'll support these guys with anything they do for the next three months, then we'll have another conversation. There's your stability. Good night. Well, Eamon O'Queeve, there you go. Eamon O'Queeve said that. Eamon O'Queeve, that was Eamon O'Queeve's... Like, call it a national government if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all the guys still stay in the same positions because you cannot, hmm. you cannot... And I'm not a fan of Simon Harris, but you cannot take Simon Harris out of a daily, what I'm sure he's getting daily briefings, daily this, daily that, and put a new guy in there. It just doesn't work. He's doing, I have to say, I mean, I wouldn't have been a fan of Simon Harris, but he is doing a really good job in, like, think about this. This is a health pandemic. This is all about health. 
he's doing a fantastic job, I think, at reassuring people. Yeah. And he's God also... God love him. He looks wrecked. He looks wrecked. He looks like he's working 6am to 1am. And he is, because his Twitter account is like... Like, I see his Twitter mm. account late at night, mm. to, like, argue, like you know, putting out things, dis- dispelling rumours, this mm. and the other. These guys are doing, like, I'll a really, you, really, really solid I job. Think, I think Leo's doing a great job, but you know who's doing, I think, a fantastic job is Simon Coveney. I mean, yeah. I think he's so solid, you know. And also... You know, we saw him on primetime there a few days ago and he, he looked shook when he when he came in. Yeah, that was one of the time that yeah. was one of the nights that I started to get frightened. Yeah. Because I saw him on the TV and I thought, he looks real yeah. like and I He's I, heard I know him yeah. a long time because yeah. he was elected to the European Parliament when my dad was. So um we would have all travelled over together. Um sorry keeps uh, we have all travelled over together and he's a really nice person whatever but when he's on TV I thought he looked scared yeah, he did and look that scared. made me scared because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like but at the same time even though he looked shook he kind of said right look we have a plan here's the plan but no it's not a criticism it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. he just looked shook and he's right mm, like yeah. I'm sure at some point previous to that meeting or after they were sat down and said here's the numbers they're stacking up we're, li- we're in line with Italy and this is how many cases it's going to be by the end of the And month. it's interesting because they look at these curves, this, uh, what they call the logarithmic curve, where they, they've got this climbing curve throughout Europe and in, in fact in China as well. And it seems to be exactly the same no matter where they are in the initial phases. So in the initial phases, you get one and you get six and, you get, and it's this logarithmic curve and they get the same growth. Obviously, it's per capita. It depends on how many people are in your country. But they get the same, exactly the same um, um, kind of curve and we're exactly on that curve so we're on the Italian curve we're on the Chinese curve we're exactly where where they were at this early stage and some countries have stepped off it I mean you know it seems to go like Mont Blanc it just keeps going up some countries have stepped off it Taiwan stepped off it South Korea stepped off it with hugely radical invasive kind of um, uh, programs where for example in South Korea they they basically just tested nearly everyone they just tested asymptomatic people they screened everybody in certain cities it was a hot spot they screened a whole lot of them you know and they tr- contact traced everybody they were massively aggressive taiwan so are you saying that their... we're not being aggressive enough i'm saying we don't have the facility to do that i think they're doing the maximum they can but we can't we honestly can't test any more people at this early stage we can't test any more people. We can't shut down the place any more than we're shutting it down. Well, we could. We could do a lockdown. We could. I mean, I well, like, a complete lockdown. Yeah, we we could do a complete lockdown. But you know, I mean, tonight now, and this is Friday, folks. But tonight, the uh, Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, has come out and said that he's going to support eighty percent of people's wages. <laughs> if anybody listens, yeah, I know. Well, you know, Boris Johnson, yeah. he is the UK Prime Minister. I'm speaking Prime to Minister Rodrigo Cifuentes, yeah, sure. the Ecuadorian guy who's just stumbled on this podcast. Yeah. I, hola, qué tal, dime. But basically, Boris Johnson is has agreed to sub, um, subsidize eighty percent of people's wages, up to two and a half grand a month. Like it's an incredible state intervention. It's it's. We're at a, this is what I was just saying earlier about this pre-COVID, post-COVID society. We're at a massive pivotal moment, I think, in Western society. We could see a situation very easily where my little hobby horse of basic income could start to become, you know, very much front and center as opposed to being a fringe libertarian idea. It is now like a, a front and center idea where governments will say, yeah, we need, we need a kind of basic income to give a floor to this economic chaos, this economic uncertainty. And that I think you could see that across Europe. I, I definitely and working from home like that as well. Working from home, absolutely. You know, um, 
There's um, Although, like working from home really work unless they have childcare. There's no working from home. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I'm doing a law degree. And, like, I'm supposed to be studying and, like, unless there's someone here to help me, I don't get to do anything. Yeah, but if you didn't have kids, like, for example, earlier on you were talking about your cousin. And your cousin runs a, a, a yoga studio, which, you know, has a physical studio in the IFSC. People come in, they do a... Sweaty soul. A sweaty soul. Um, but needs must, you know, and, um, this, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Tell them what she has done. Put all her classes online and pitch to companies... To in the IFSC. In, in the IFSC that like their staff who were coming, that they would, um, as part of their kind of like outreach to their staff who were working from home, they'd offer them the classes if they, she opened up her online database of classes to all of it. So she's hanging in there basically, doing pretty well out of it. Um, but that'll keep her afloat. Yeah. But it could come to a situation where a lot of businesses like hers will start to think, well, you know. But I'm may- not sure you maybe could I need start to do- out from there. No, 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 no. But- you know, if you have it in comparison, you know, maybe you're going to get to a situation where some businesses will say, we're better off doing online. We're better off doing working from home or working remotely or not having a physical presence. I mean, yeah, maybe. You know, it, this is one of the aspects of the pre and post COVID-19 society we could be looking at. It. I mean, let's face it, like I'm, I'm a man who loves economic disruption, you know, uh, just, you know, chaotic disruption for a lot of reasons. And this is chaotic disruption where we could see. Huge change in society. I don't like this. Yeah, you don't like it because you're conservative. You know, I love a bit of, you know, liberation. Until someone dies. Yeah. People die all the time, sir. <laughs> but, um, I mean, as somebody who's suffering from COVID-19, I mean, I'm, I think I'm allowed to have these kind Keep of... Keep suffering from COVID-24. This is about the thing you've had this. Shut up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we, we've got this... Um... So how do you think Sinn Féin are doing with the crisis? Oh, my God. Who are they again? <laughs> Like they were so important about two weeks ago. It's incredible, isn't it? Like they it's were- like someone it's like someone who went, who went to like summer camp and they were like the the cheese in their summer camp and then they start <laughs> in secondary school in September and no one remembers that they're supposed to be cool. It's like it's when you so went funny. It's like when you know you break up from school in June and you're like the you know, you're the tallest girl in the class and you're taller than all the boys and all that. You come back in September and all the boys have just grown up and they're all have beards yeah. and stuff and nobody even and remembers And your friend Jennifer are. is now the same height as you and she has boobs and you've got none. Yeah. Terrible. So this terrible thing happened to Sinn Féin called COVID-19 <clears throat> where... Terrible thing happened. Sorry. Terrible thing happened to everyone. Like the... Oh, no, 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 but I mean, this we're talking about Sinn Féin here. Okay. Like Sinn Féin had this thing where they were so important. They were like, you know, you know, they won the election. They all of nobody's talking about Sinn Féin and nobody cares gives a shite about what Mary Lou Macdonald is talking about because she's talking about nothing it makes me really think that God doesn't like to create a virus that would exclusively put Mary Lou house not able to. he's he did not like those public meetings and he <laughs> smited them he smited them immediately <clears throat> he was like no put her back in her those meetings is she in her house she's oh, the she? first people because her kids were in that school oh is she um, okay. so that's why all their just as an aside is it smited or smote smitten smitten smote <laughs> Um, Folks, email us. Yeah. Smited or smote? You decide. Moted. Um, anyway, no, it's not great for... The, and I honestly think, like, depending on how this plays out, that people will feel very grateful and nostalgic about Leo and Simon and Simon and all. Well, now, if at the moment, we've got alleged government formation talks happening. So Fianna Fáil, Michal says, like, we, we desperately need a bit of stability... We need just, <clears throat> just such shite. Just say, here's your stability up there. I mean, really, I, I think Neil is desperately, desperately trying to be the Taoiseach. 
And he kind of looks like, a, a you know, a girl trying to go out with a guy who just is not that into her. You know, I mean, Fine Gael are just not that into Fianna Fáil at this point now. They have their, their raison d'etre. They have this war. They're, Leo is now a wartime Taoiseach. No, no, it's, it's so, like sometimes, you know, they don't need we them. always say the man makes the man when the man makes the man. Yeah. And like, it's not like, <clears throat> oh, I'm just not that into you. It's a legitimate Yeah, they're no crisis. time. They've they no don't. Time. Like, they all look wrecked. Mm. They're up all day, all half the night, whatever, working their absolute arses off this. They can see, as has been in other countries, the patients and the casualties of this coming towards us like a tsunami. Yeah, yeah. They've gotten the hospitals <coughs> ready. And they're like, terrified. They're, and they're scared and they're mm. terrified. They've got it. So, the fact that Michal wants to tea shop is pretty low on the agenda for them, I'm saying. And rightly so. Yeah. The only person who doesn't seem to think that that's low on the agenda is Michal. Yeah. But I mean, Michal's not even, you know, I really think Michal's gotten to the point where he's not speaking in the interest of Fianna Fáil. He's not speaking in the interest of the country. He's so just desperate to not be the only Fianna Fáil t- uh, leader who is never Taoiseach that he'll do anything to just be Taoiseach for a week. Any, any, like anything at all. Just wants to be Taoiseach. Like if, if Mary Lou had like gotten more, a few more seats and she'd been sworn in as Taoiseach three weeks ago. And she was the Taoiseach in this. I'm saying exactly the same thing. Mm. You support the leader. You support the person who's in charge. This is a crisis. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You pull on the Rangers. This is a war. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's not about, like, you know, Leo wanting to be Taoiseach or Michal wanting to be Taoiseach or any of that. And stability is just absolute nonsense. You can, you, like, I just don't buy it. It's just absolute nonsense. Yeah. It's what people sitting in a room have come up with as their reason mm. to get what they want. Now, now I'm going to talk about this from a kind of a, a, a nakedly, almost sociopathically political point of view, which is that this is a fantastic situation for Fine Gael because Fine Gael now have an opportunity to go through this warlike situation and at the end of it, I mean, I don't think there's any government formation talks that are going to matter. I don't think Sinn Féin obviously are going to put together a government. So at the end of, let's say, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, these are all alleged options. So at the end of, say, three months after the summer, because let's face it, everybody in the Dáil is going to give Fine Gael at least until the end of the summer to sort out, you know, this pandemic. All the numbers will start to calm down. The infection rates will calm down, hopefully. You hope, yeah. Hopefully. You know, the Jesus, hopefully the deaths will be, you know, gone, tapered off, whatever. At that point then, when politics starts to come out of the bunker, from a Fine Gael point of view, they'll have gotten the country through this. Leo will be Ireland's Churchill. No, you hope. But what could also happen well, is, like, there are certain <clears throat> things, there are certain things, like, that could pr- have pr- proved to have been a major, major issue. Cheltenham. Uh, not not, too early, not too issuing early. a directive to those Italian rugby fans not to come. Too early. It wasn't too early because they cancelled it. Yeah, but it was too early oh, to matter, okay. I think. But listen, things happen. People, like, people get very upset. This could really, like... Oh, yeah. This could turn into a massive, massive death toll. Oh, yeah, gotcha. And people will get really upset and people will want somebody. Yeah. And when you're in charge, you're the person to blame. True. So, Except that it's a global pandemic. Grand, but... Mm. but I think if... The, I, but I the think next if, country after us, wherever it might be, might do things quicker and have 1,500 yeah, yeah. deaths less than us and then all of a sudden you're responsible by your decisions. That's, listen, that's the tough break. That's hard. That's yeah. politics. But I'm saying it is too early to call what the political yeah, fall No, I think is. you're right. It, it could go either way. But I think in fairness, I think that if the current mood persists and people see yeah. the guys have done a good job, they've, been, they've gotten us through a war, blah, blah, blah. If Leo turns around to the president and says, look, 
Fianna Fáil and ourselves can't organise anything. Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin can't organise anything. Our only option is a new election. And we have an election in September. I think Fianna Gael will win it. I think Leo will come back and win it. You know, so from a nakedly political, almost sociopathically political point of view in the current circumstances, this is not a bad outcome for a, a party that lost the election. That they could stay in power for six months and then win the next one. <laughs> That's politics. It's just it's just like events, dear boy, events. <clears throat> like I said to somebody today, I was like, you know when you're thinking in twenty twenty or whatever. <laughs> Not on my list of things was a global pandemic. Yeah. Did we know there was gonna be a general election? We kinda knew in the in the first quarter there was gonna be we did. Did we? Yeah. Everybody knew. So what was it on? It was on the eighth of February, so Everybody yeah. knew it was all gonna come asunder because Brexit had been sorted. And, you know, we all knew there was no more excuse now. So it is. But yeah. I think it ended up being sooner than we thought it was going to be. It was not it. Like, we thought that, like, it was It was kind of... Um, yeah, Leo just went. And, um, well, we thought it might be, like, March. March. Yeah, yeah. Thank, Thank God, God it was March. Yeah. Jesus. What would happen there? They just cancel it? No, they just keep going because they had another mandate for a year, if you remember. Fianna Fáil would have just done conference and supply for the leader. Yeah, if the election had been called. Yeah, well... You can't get dissolved. Yeah. I don't know what would have happened. Thankfully, it didn't happen. Italy are having local elections at the moment, which is hilarious. Yeah, it wasn't it Italy? Was it what was the country we France? saw? Them? Oh, it was France, you're right. Having local elections, mother of God. The whole country's locked down, but you're allowed to go out and do two, three things. Go to the pharmacy, the supermarket, and vote in your local election. So do you think we're going to be locked down? Yes. This is my prediction, folks. I think that um, an aggressive... We, saw the, we, we just saw a law passed tonight, which gives the government the power to make people stay in their home. And to mandate certain people who are known to be infected to uh, not be out in public and all that stuff. All that's being done as a precursor to give them the power to lock us down. <coughs> and that's not a bad thing. I think that the idea, as we, we touched on earlier, about what is the strategy here, it's, it's not to cure the virus. It's to flatten it's the It's to flatten the curve. So we, you can either have this massive spike of infections and therefore hospital attendances, or you can have a broader curve where there are fewer infections over a shorter period of time. But that doesn't mean that when we all re-emerge two, three, four weeks later, the virus is gone. He hasn't departed and moved on to, you know, Greenland. Basically what happens there is more people get infected. But again, we go into another period of isolation and we flatten the curve. And then in further up, another period of isolation. So it's just basically to cut it down into bite-sized pieces. I think we are literally looking at a rolling series of shutdowns and lockdowns and social isolations um, for probably the next 12 months to allow the health service to bend to the demand that's going to be put on it. So, you know, this is only the first of many folks where over the next 12 months, I think going to be a a part-time culture which is going to put massive economic pressure on states. And we were discussing this briefly before the broadcast, where normally what would happen in a situation where your country goes into, you know, a productivity holiday, let's face it, is that, or if a state decides to massively subsidize wages by printing money and creating welfare and printing money, creating debt, that country goes down the swanee fairly quickly because their their currency turns to butter and um, their debt goes through the roof. But what's going to happen is every single country in the Western world is in the same boat. So the Americans are going to start printing money. The ECB is going to start printing money. The Australians, the Canadians, you know, the, the Bank of England, everybody is going to start printing money and subsidizing wages and subsidizing businesses and all that stuff. So there won't actually be a competitive advantage for any currency. 
So therefore, it's, it's entirely possible you're not going to see any movement or very little movement on currency markets from pr- people printing enormous amounts of money and taking on enormous amounts of debt. Um, is it going to be repaid? Probably not. But there will undoubtedly be a coronavirus tax that's going to hit income taxpayers um, somewhere down the line. And that's going to be repaying the interest on what is going to be a massive, massive debt. But in the short term, ironically, people are talking doomsday scenarios on, on economics. and stuff. I think there's going to be an actual a bounce back fairly quickly. If the, if the governments do support incomes and they, they maintain consumer demand, we're going to see a bounce back fairly quickly. Now, there's going to be another shutdown, a roll down, a shutdown. I think governments are going to realize they're going to have to just subsidize wages for 12 to 18 months. And also, it's going to be our civic when the pubs reopen to go out and get locked. I murder a pint of Guinness. Yeah, I go, murder go a, a pint of Guinness. Oh. Four restaurants. Go into town, right? Buy loads of things. Go for a boozy lunch. Buy loads more things. Go for a boozy lunch. Oh my dinner. God. People are going to go, go to a pub. massively explode. <laughs> they're going to explode with, with, with consumer demand. I think it's going to be fine, folks. I don't think it's going to be the same as 2008, 2009. The governments have all learned the lesson from that and they're all in this together. There's not... Like no such thing as Greece and Portugal and Ireland being the pigs and you know. I love the fact that this is probably going. When people are listening <laughs> to this. There might be nine hundred and fifty thousand cases. Anyway, the point is that we're all in this together. Every single country in the Western world. So I don't. I don't think we're going to see the same kind of crash. And you heard it. You heard it here, folks. No, I think it'll. You bounce, heard it first. I think it'll bounce back. Keith Redmond, dentist, predicts, antagonist, predicts, libertarian, barbarian, contrarian, yeah. as Senator Catherine Noon said. Um. But yeah, no, I, I think it'll um I think it'll bounce back folks. I don't think it'll be as bad as everybody is, is predicting at the moment. Um but more but I suppose we just have to, you know, discuss the fact that an awful lot of people are going to die. You know. In Ireland Jesus Christ, Keith, like And we are going, oh, no, like I mean people are going to die. Like, you know, you're you're talking about it like that. But they are though. Like, you know, it's all good being flip it's all good and well being flippant. About the economics and all that stuff, but it could be like my dad, your dad, grannies, grandparents, you know, you know, people, we're a very small country and um, a large village, really. And we're all going to know somebody who knows somebody who's, you know, we're lucky. who died. And uh, I know it's kind of grim to think about that aspect of things. Um, I mean, we're, we're all going to talk about this in five, ten years as, you know, massive moment in history. Kid, our kids and our grandkids will be asking us about this, the pandemic. Yeah. What was the, it like? The last pandemic declared by, you know, the World Health Organization, if it existed, it's nothing it did. But the last pandemic recognized, if you like, global pandemic, was in 1918. So 102 years ago. So we are literally in a moment of historic importance that will be, you know, studied and discussed by academics for I years. I wonder how many new babies there'll be. There'll be a hell of a lot. There's, there's two things that are going to happen, folks, with trapping men and women in a... In a, in a in a house and telling them to stay there and they're not allowed to leave. Break up some two babies. Things, a lot of divorces and a lot of babies. <laughs> like that, they're the they're the two things going to happen. It's going to go one way or the other, and maybe babies and then divorces. But like, there's going to be a lot of change. Good times. Well, on that note. Good times. Now that we're locked in our house, we're going to be doing a few more of these podcasts. Yep, and we're so, going to be either doing babies or divorces. Which one do you want to do? Well, you already have. Ooh, we already have two babies. Harsh. Just to balance it out, we should. Or, no, or another baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that Tune in next week, folks, and we'll <laughs> tell you exactly what happened. Was it a divorce or was it a baby? Same bad time, same bad chat. Bye.